0: Welcome to The Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli, along with my friend Barry Schuster, the founding editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine.
1: How you doing, Barry? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks very much for asking. I'm looking forward to talking to our special guests today and finding out how they got in the restaurant business, why they got in the restaurant business, and hearing some pearls of wisdom from them that would be useful to our
0: our listeners today. Absolutely. And we're going to have some fun because we've got a really good show lined up. So uh, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable, and welcome to The Corner Booth.
1: Well, Sean Walcheff, welcome to the Corner Booth. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Um, You know, um, this is the first time I've spoken to Sean, um, although we've communicated on LinkedIn for quite some time. And uh, I think this uh, uh, professional relationship we've developed um, is really something that uh, speaks to the power of social media in a very positive way. uh, I followed Sean and his concept, and he uh, is an Im- impressive young operator, and the fact that he finds some value in what we're doing with Restaurant Startup and Growth, restaurant and uh, has been very encouraging of us as we've, we've gone to digital media, um, is a real good shot in the arm for us, because it means that uh, perhaps we're being relevant to uh Um, young and -and up-and-coming operator who is one of the folks who's going to be defining this industry. So, Sean, hey, thanks very much for joining us and and taking time um, to uh, share your story.
0: I talked with Sean and and learned about uh, the killer barbecue he's doing, special events, um, uh, the sports bar. I've even got relatives that are your current uh, customers. So uh, uh, looking forward to talking with you today, Sean. Thank
1: you very much. It's our pleasure. So, Sean, um, if you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, how, how did you get into this business, um, you know, what what led you down this path uh, in, as a restaurant operator, and of course, we also want to hear about some of the things you're doing in marketing and, and, and your uh, work um, in the area of uh, digital marketing and promotion. So, you know, kind of guide us through that process.
2: Well, sure. I, I, you know, I have kind of like a lot of restaurant owners and operators, we ha- I had an early entry into the business where my grandfather, he had a breakfast restaurant. Um, he was a Bulgarian and he was a medical doctor and somehow found himself in real estate. And next thing you know, he found himself owning and operating a breakfast restaurant. And he thought it was a great idea to have the family involved. So at a young age, um, he decided that I would, it would be good for me to come out and bust tables and wash dishes when I was you know, 12, 13 years old. and. When you're in a Bulgarian household, I was so fortunate that my grandfather took me in, not having known who my father was. And you know, he he taught me at a young age what what work was. Even though, you know, when I was that young, I I definitely didn't want to be there. I wanted to be with my friends, uh, playing sports and going to the beach and doing things that kids do, not necessarily bussing tables and washing dishes. So um, that that was my entry into the business. I I realized much later on in life, after I got rejected from all three law schools here in San Diego, that my path wasn't going to be a lawyer, like I thought, like my grandfather had wanted, so that was kind of a a lot of disappointment for him. But somehow, someway found myself back um, to the same location that I was busting those tables so long ago. Um, Me and one of my closest friends from college, I went to University of Colorado at Boulder, He grew up in his family business. Him and I, we had an opportunity to take over a liquor license, um, full Type 47 license at a location. Like I said, the same location I was busing tables and washing dishes, but it was in an underserved part of San Diego, Mm -hmm. so it was really a part of San Diego that nobody really would say, hey, that's a great idea. Go open up any business, let alone a restaurant business there, and that was in 2008, so a little, time lapse for you to understand that 2007, um, June 29th, 2007, that was the day the first iPhone came out. And the reason that I know that is because my son was born on June 29th, 2017, 10 10 years later to the date. Wow. And the reason I bring that up is because I was in the hospital, you know, my wife was being the hero of the family and doing all the incredible things that that women do. I was looking up, you know, what what significant dates things happened on June 29th in history, and you know, I hadn't realized until then that two thousand and seven was really when the iPhone came out. It was, it was when we were launching our restaurant, and the iPhone changed everything for everyone, not just restaurant owners. And early on, I found that because we were in a difficult location, I mean, we started with eighteen employees, we probably did three hundred thousand dollars in sales. Um, because we were in such a difficult location I had to do anything and everything to get people to come into the restaurant so whether it was marketing whether it was joining the Chamber of Commerce whether it was participating in events whether it was helping with a local charity um, we were going to do anything and everything we could to have people know who we are and what we did and when we opened it was breakfast lunch and dinner and our menu was all over the place so we didn't we weren't a barbecue restaurant Um, that didn't, didn't happen until the following year but Following year, we became a barbecue restaurant after throwing a amateur barbecue contest. I reached out to somebody that spent their life in professional barbecue, an expert, and um, told him that we want to we want to put on this charity event. He said he would help us put on the charity event, and um, after that, he said if you want to learn how to do, do barbecue the right way, I'll teach you. Wow! He you, said, "Sure."
0: So you kind of got so, in. You got in at an early age. Uh, yeah, uh, and like many of us, and it was hard work, wasn't necessarily known to you then that it was going to be your profession. I guess we should send out a few thank you notes to those law schools that were trying to tell you that <laughs> the, the world did not need more attorneys. We really needed a sports bar with damn good barbecue. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's really how this happened.
1: Danny Meyer, um, oh. his family wanted him to go to law school really badly as well. And, and he it didn't, that didn't work out for him and i think he did okay in the restaurant business yeah, some, some might say yeah. so. and i think i think san diego Correct. i
0: think the foodies in san diego are much happier having a nice community place to go than one more attorney to talk to but the first concept that you talked about i find interesting so you you first stepped into the business and tell us a little bit more about that that was a uh what kind of restaurant with was, was the breakfast
2: lunch dinner thing it was just the, it was So when we took over, we took over an existing breakfast business. So it was 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. American breakfast, omelets, eggs, chicken fried steak, um, sandwiches, burgers. But that was it. Um, They basically, people told us that no one would come and eat dinner in our community because it wasn't safe. And no one else was doing it. And that's just, that was the general consensus in the community and in our village. And we said, that's not true. if there's great people that live in this community, people will come if we make them feel safe, make them feel welcome and give them great food. So we opened up for dinner without really a, a dinner menu per se. It was a menu that was all over the place, but we added the sports entertainment aspect and we it was very important to make it a family friendly bar. And I know that's kind of an oxymoron, but we wanted a place where someone could enjoy watching literally NFL Sunday ticket, to fight night to the Wimbledon to NASCAR you name it if it was on the TVs we wanted to put a super fan in position that they could bring their family and it wouldn't be oh I'm not a sports bar but I'm at a restaurant where I can bring myself son- I can bring all generations I can bring my children I can bring my wife she can bring her friends we can yeah. bring our parents they can bring their grandparents and um, Luckily, we were successfully able to do that.
0: Uh, maybe you could explain to the listeners exactly how you approached that, because that's a very interesting fact that you stated. You wanted it to be entertaining, high energy, uh, all of the sports, but at the same time, something where uh, family was gonna feel comfortable uh, dining out as a family unit. So uh, did you do that through design, lighting, uh, menu? Uh, how did How did you reach out to show that it was a place for everybody? That's a fantastic question and it
2: we had to do that through everything I mean it it was through our culture through our branding through the lighting through the decor that we picked in the restaurant through our operations by having parking support staff by having hosts that smile by having people that Understand that we have 17 TVs with it's never about the number of TVs It's about the quality of TV and the viewing angle as a sports fan you can get 80,000 people into a stadium, but that doesn't mean everyone's got a great view of the game. Mm-hmm. The same thing in the restaurant. Every single seat needs to have a great viewing angle of that high-definition TV with the correct game on at the correct time. Kickoff starts, I don't want to miss kickoff if I'm a super fan. And we being a super fan helped us build a restaurant for super fans, understanding that, yes, my children all have Chargers gear and they have Goals hockey gear, because that's our minor league hockey team, and they have Padres gear. That's important for us, and I need my, if my wife's not comfortable going to the stadium because there's not a nursing room or a place that she can change a diaper, guess what? We're not going to go to that stadium. So the same applies in our restaurant, and really part of our philosophy has always been is operating like an event business. Every single day is an event, and it's just a matter of, that. that's the advantage of being in the sports and entertainment, is that that's ingrained into our marketing is no matter what there's always an NFL season there's always a Major League Baseball season there's the World Series there's the Olympics you name it they're on there so it's not so much where somebody we're going to turn some away, someone away because they don't want to see the Olympics we're going to still take care of someone that wants to eat barbecue um, but they would also have an incredible view of whatever was on TV.
0: Well speaking as one of those 80,000 that typically goes to the live venue It not happy with your seat uh, I applaud you for that.
1: So Sean, thank you. Um, so Sean, you know, not only the menu, but in your, your marketing, but mm-hmm. what I'm hearing, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that you have a very clear vision of the culture of your restaurant, and I've never seen culture like that executed accidentally. It's usually very purposeful in the in the, in the hiring and the onboarding. Um, is there something you can tell me about that? Am I on the right track?
2: You're 100% on the right track. Everything we do is intentional. Nothing happens by accident. So every single thing that we teach, if there's a checklist, if there's a policy procedure, it's there for a reason. And it's our job as leaders and as managers to communicate that to our staff, but also to find the right people that understand that we're in a caring business. I mean, hospitality, customer service is the worst standard there could possibly be. Treating someone as a human is a higher level than treating someone with great customer service, in our opinion, because hospitality goes to intent. You have to use all of your senses to understand what someone needs, because every customer that comes into the restaurant, they have different needs, and they're choosing to come and spend their discretionary income, the hard-earned money with us. We need to create a memorable moment, and that memorable moment is going to be masterfully engineered, but there's magic that happens, and it we're in a human's business so we need to have people that can execute that because I'm not going to be at the restaurant every day every shift you know my general manager's not going to be there every day every shift we have to have great people that understand that we're, we're selling that we're selling a story and we're selling an experience and if we're not memorable then they're gonna to choose to go somewhere else
1: and your engagement in the community seems like an important thing to you as well can you talk a little bit about that and and how that supports your guest traffic, and your reputation, and your business in general.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we've, we've always been, so I I was very fortunate to be inducted into the Pro Football Ultimate Fan Association, which is essentially kind of a Hall of Fame for super fans, for all 32 teams, and there's six people that have been inducted as San Diego Charger fans, now obviously Los Angeles Charger fans, but. Mm-hmm tailgating is tailgating is something that kind of brings everything together for me is because people say that they're a sports bar they say they're a sports fan until you see action or until you see someone show up at an event you don't that's where the magic happens the the magic happens when somebody when it's the in-person connection when i say that i'm going to go to the game and not only am i at the game but i'm at the game four hours early i'm there when the gates open Mm -hmm. i'm bringing things to the game. It's a potluck style, I'm bringing extra chairs, I'm bringing ice, I'm bringing a cooler. Events are where amazing things happen. Obviously we operate our restaurant as an event restaurant, Mm -hmm. but it's not just about our four walls, it's about our entire village. And if there's something that we can do or we've been asked to, let's say donate to the local fire station or the local church, it's great for us to give a gift card. It's even more powerful if we go to the event and see who are the leaders doing what they are doing, why are they raising that money, because then there might be a different opportunity for us to help.
1: And it sounds to me is that the the community really got behind you in a big way when you ran into that situation where there were detractors um, on social media who didn't like the fact that you were still a Chargers fan and supporting the team even though they had uh, left for Los Angeles. I remember we covered that in the magazine. Uh, I was super impressed just how people said, hey, listen, we're not going to allow these folks to come in and and say anything negative about this great concept.
2: Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. And before we go any further, I definitely don't want to forget that back to 2008 when we opened up the restaurant, the first subscription that I signed up for was restaurantowner.com. And I credit RestaurantOwner.com for keeping us in business and Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. Literally all the articles, all the resources, all the education, everything that you sent us, I read it. Eric, my general manager, read it, and it forced us to eventually hire a company called Restaurant Solutions, which helped us get weekly profit and loss statements. And that was not an easy thing to do that was one of the most difficult things to do, but I credit that to keeping us in business today and us even having that conversation. So thank you um, before we go any further for the, for all that you're doing and the fact that now you're doing it digitally, which is even more powerful so that you can do it in audio form and uh, people can learn while they're driving to their uh, place of business.
1: Well, thank you so much
2: for that. that, I appreciate that. But, but back to your question, which was about the, the the detractors and, you know, Whenever you put your heart into something and you fly your flag, um, whether that be for a team or whether that be for something, you're a cause, or whether that's your brand, there's gonna, you, you want to shout it from the top of the mountains, which is what we do, and which is why I'm a super fan of the, San, of the San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers, for the San Diego Gulls. The San Diego Seals is our local lacrosse team. We've made partnerships, strategic partnerships, with sports entertainment because that's something that's ingrained in me. It's ingrained in me, it's ingrained in my staff, it's ingrained in my wife, it's ingrained in my children already. I mean, my son, before we even had this call, we were watching morning news, Fox 5 News, and they put up a commercial about the goals, and he's like, goals, hockey, daddy, hockey. And it's, he knows, he wants to go to the hockey game. Mm-hmm. So for us, taking a stance as far as supporting the team, we knew that people, like, we knew how much anger there was. Because we were angry, too. You know, we want, I, I, I wish that the team was still here. I wish there was a stadium. We were on a committee to literally save our bolts, which was a nonprofit entity that worked with the Chargers organization. We worked with the mayor's office. We worked with local politicians. We volunteered our time to literally try to save our team. And no matter how you feel about the current president, the night that the president was elected, we were at the restaurant with five, three, three, TV stations from San Diego, two TV stations from Los Angeles, all covering the Save Our Bolts group that had all come to be the epicenter of the vote. And the vote for us, the only thing that mattered that night was the vote on the stadium. Exactly. (laughs) It wasn't who was going to be president. It was the vote on the stadium.
0: I can understand.
2: 43% said yes. And, you know, so for us, even the 43%, the people that conti- that chose to stay with the team when they went to Los Angeles was less than half of that. I mean, I would say maybe five to 10% of people were able to say, you know, even though this is the Scarlet Sports logo, we're still going to cheer for our team. And we had a business decision to make. Are we going to take all the Chargers stuff down and say that, oh yeah, that our, our fandom no longer exists? Or are we going to risk people attacking our business um, not coming to our business because of all the charger stuff we have. And we did what we felt was true in our heart, which was, you know, we're not gonna hide who we are and this is who we are. The beautiful thing about it is that because we had built so many relationships by doing what we said we were gonna do, by showing up, by building connections with local radio, with local writers at Union Tribune, with people in the news, um, plus other community leaders and thought leaders in San Diego, no matter how they felt about the situation, they're like, don't attack Cali Comfort because we have 55 employees that depend on their livelihood. We have an incredible community. We do all this incredible stuff in the community. And that's, that's one part. It's one facet of who we are. It's not everything of yeah. who we are. And listen, we didn't build our sports, our sports entertainment business based off of the NFL season. There's 16 games in the NFL season. Mm-hmm, right. There's 360, we operate 363 days.
1: You know, we're putting any event on, you know, Chris, um, you know, I'm listening to Sean and and, you know, we've interviewed operators who are in their 60s and 70s, have 45 years in the business and then young um, up and coming uh, successful operators like Sean and and doesn't it seem like the common thread theme among all these folks who really are making it in this business are they got a certain set of values and a certain passion for what they're doing and they they stick to that. As as a consultant, um, does that seem to be something you see among the, the better
0: operators? Uh, Yeah, it's a good point. The stronger operators are people that would uh, certainly agree with what Sean's saying. They're finding themselves in situations, uh, maybe it isn't exactly like this one, but it might be in other situations having to do with uh, their business, their concept, their marketing, the brand, and it hits a core value, and the successful ones do. They take a stand, uh, uh, stay with the mission, uh, and, and by staying true to your mission, by staying true to what you're interested in uh, and what your you know, main goal is. And we heard that your main goal is providing the best hospitality in a casual sports environment for the whole family and the community. Well, that's a lot bigger than one situation <clears throat> that may have aggravated half the city. So you stay focused on that like it sounds like you did. You work your way through. So, Sean, um, you've you've got a well-established
1: business. You've got 55 employees. You've got a good reputation in your community. Um, And now you're running this business. And and, um, how is your role changing as owner and operator as you become more established, bigger, more guest traffic, um,
0: sure, it's been over ten years now.
1: To over ten yeah. years now. So, so from you're, the
0: beginning you, to now, I imagine your role has changed. What, what, you know? Can you can you
1: walk our listeners through that process of going from starting this place up to where you are now, and and what does that journey look like for you?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a it's a question I think about a lot, um, honestly. And that's the more that I read, the more that I listen to people that I admire and that I aspire to be like I think you know working on the business and not working in the business is something that's been a priority especially now having been a decade doing what we're doing with you know the barbecue and the events and the sports entertainment partnerships and you know really all the things that I've I've learned to keep the doors open frankly Um, the world is changing it's changing so rapidly to the fact that we're having a podcast now that can be distributed to somebody that's in Bulgaria, that owns a restaurant that speaks English, that's interested in someone's stories, someone that's in Australia, someone that could be in Texas—it's that's the power of the internet. That's the power of the smartphone. And you know, for me, turning doing what I've been doing for the last three years with publishing a podcast and writing a blog. I've really combined those into what we do now, which is, you know, we we started a podcast called Behind the Smoke Podcast. I started that with one of my closest friends. He owns and operates Valley Farm Market. Um, his name is Derek Marceau. And we started recording. We built a studio above the butcher shop, and we called it Behind the Smoke Podcast. It was, we were gonna talk to barbecue people, but we we're also gonna talk to business people, people in sports, people um, that we admired. And what I found, during that journey was that that was something that I was learning things about other restaurant owners um, the same way that you guys are every single week, even though you've been in the business so long. Um, once you have those conversations, you start to learn things and see how all these pieces are all working together. Um, because. Just because you're in marketing, just because you're in sales, just because you're in branding, doesn't mean you don't need to know about publishing on LinkedIn. Doesn't mean you don't need to know about Twitter. Doesn't mean right. you don't need to know about mm-hmm. Instagram. You can't just say, "Oh, social media—that's somebody else's problem." Like it's everybody's problem because that's where everybody is. And if everybody's there, how do you get your message out on those platforms? Right. It can be overwhelming, you know. And every uh, every single person, we have our own. I don't know if you probably can't cuss on your podcast, but it's our, you know, our, our aha moment. I mm-hmm. call it something different on our podcast, but it's our—it's <laughs> an aha moment where where you realize that some piece of technology. Do either of you have an iPhone or Android?
1: I'm an iPhone guy. Yeah, so
2: am I. iPhone. Yeah, we're all iPhone I mean, I mean, here. Do you use Do you use Apple Pay? Um, I don't.
1: I I. I have it. I don't use it. Um, certainly not as as frequently as my twenty year old kids do. But you know, I, I do have it, and on occasion I will use it.
2: Okay, Barry, you're going to be getting on a plane. Yes, of course. After this podcast, yes. So are your t- are your tickets on your phone or do you actually have physical tickets?
1: My my tickets are on my phone. I don't. If I can avoid paper, I will avoid it for lots of reasons. I'm kind of a tree hugger. I have to say. I
2: well, think that's
0: a big that, that's, change. A lot of people are just using that. I don't even know if I've seen a traditional, old-fashioned boarding pass. I,
1: I do. I do. I do see them. I do see <laughs> them. Um, but I'm I'm really interested in in in, in your point. Uh, keep keep me going here.
2: So. This is, this is the aha moments. Is, you know, as sporting events, before you get a ticket, you make sure you have the ticket. You check 16 times. Do I have the ticket? Do I have the parking pass? If I don't have the ticket, I can't get in the stadium. Same thing with the ticket to the plane. But now we have it on our phone. And back to the Apple Pay, for somebody like me that's yelling and screaming how everyone needs to be on every single platform and be on digital, like, I didn't even use Apple Pay and probably until about a year ago, maybe a year, two years ago, because I was worried that I would look stupid or I would hold up the line at the checkout because I wouldn't know how to use it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like that's just a stupid thing for me to be worried about, but that was the honest truth. <laughs> and then eventually I put, I put my credit card into my phone and then I got a new iPhone. It was, uh, I have an iPhone 10, uh, 10 X mm-hmm. and I double click when I go to the register and I see the Apple, Apple pay and I don't have to take out my wallet. I don't have to stick the credit card in and wait for the chip. I don't have to sign anything. I don't get a receipt. And I'm like, that was the most seamless transaction I've ever had. And then now all I do is everywhere I go, I, I look and make sure, do you guys have Apple Pay? Because that's the only way I want to pay. But that's that aha moment that even for someone like me that thinks that everyone needs to be doing things digitally, I, trust me, there's things that have to happen in person, which is essentially the essence of digital hospitality. Everyone's in the digital business, but every business needs to be in the hospitality business. And that's the advantage, frankly, that's. An independent restaurant owner has is that we've spent our lives and our livelihoods literally building our business in one of the most difficult business there is which is the senses business mm-hmm. I mean, we are operating little factories where we have to produce quality food that I and mean, how many things have to go right to get a five-star yelp review like I don't, I don't even know I, pro- I probably should figure it out but it's mm-hmm. a lot hundreds if not thousands of things
1: and
0: touch and- points Well, it's like putting a puzzle together that you do well every single day. Most operators will say that, that it's like uh, every piece has to fit from the front door to the back door. From the service to the quality, from the timing to the cleanliness, from the, you know, from the comfort zone to the atmosphere, the music, etc. So, yeah, it's a. Uh, I think every listener, I think, is is getting some valuable points that you're approaching hospitality like that. That, that every uh, stone uh, is turned over, every detail is looked at, and it's because um, if you're going to get the five star review, every piece of the puzzle has to fit. And
2: it, Correct, and and. Now, go ahead, Sean. Go, please. go ahead, Chris. <coughs> no, well, uh, back to the. There's so many more touch points now because of digital. So you can get a message on Google Maps. Someone can message the business. Someone can send me a DM on Instagram. Somebody can tweet at us. Somebody can. I mean, it's coming from all angles, which is overwhelming for a restaurant oper- operator because we already have enough to do, right? Right. But for- fortunately for me, I've got some. I have a blood type, but I, I love it. I love the chaos like organizing the chaos is something that I've, I've... And I've been able to recruit other people onto my team. I have a producer, Stover in Portland, mm-hmm. that's helping me produce my podcast, that's helping me write blogs based off of the podcast that we're doing. I've got a production team that does video and audio so that we can really do what we're trying to do. I've got Kyle uh, Pfluger, who runs myth for all Media, who's my web ninja. He makes us mobile first. He literally... I'm the only client that's ever asked, I, I want a restaurant website. I want to be able to buy barbecue online. I want it to integrate with DoorDash. I want it to also have our own feature that goes directly to the POS so that we don't have to pay DoorDash that fee. So I want all this and I want catering online. So it's online and easy, mobile friendly. Oh, and by the way, I also want you to publish podcasts and blogs on that same website. Of course, I can't do that myself. I know what I want, but he's able to do it. So it's like it's the power of asking for help in this kind of day and age where a restaurant, an independent restaurant owner can literally become the media company within their own village.
1: And how is uh, all that effort and, and creativity you're putting into media, which is impressive, um, how, how is that driving not only guest traffic, you know, initial guest traffic to your restaurant, but helping you build that loyalty, which we all depend on to, you know, to, to keep things moving?
2: I mean, I think a lot of it's just, it's brand awareness. It's, you know, it's being top of mind. Um, There's a book, um, Top of Mind by John Hall. It's one of my favorite books um, that I continually recommend and also Story Brand by Donald Miller. But it's, clarifying your message in a way to understand that every business including restaurants like we're in the e-commerce business Mm -hmm. we need to generate sales online through our website whether that's through gift cards whether that's through booking reservations whether that's through catering whether that's through delivery whatever it is like we can't ignore that people want to buy things easy thank you amazon prime for making you know packages show up at our house but guess what that means that everyone wants packages to show up at their house and they want the quality there right Mm mm-hmm and what about time is the most time is the most valuable thing we all have that's what we all want
0: so i'm wondering um uh, knowing that these last few years have allowed you the opportunity to do all of that get into the digital marketing uh congrats on the successful blog and the behind the smoke uh in other ways how has your role changed from the hands-on operator that you were when you started to the structure you have now Uh, Maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about the operating structure that, you know, you need and what their roles are in order to operate the front and the back of the house and allow you the time to do the marketing that you do.
2: You know, it goes back to having great people and, you know, not only believing in them, but also getting out of my own way and thinking that I don't have to do everything. I mean, there was a time, I'll give you a perfect example. There was a time where I thought that the only person that could make the NFL floor plan which is the allocation of TVs for we're on the west coast so 10 a.m. The the games kick off at 10 a.m. There's anywhere from 8 to 12 games uh, during the regular season and we allocate TVs based off of the popularity of the game based off the fans that are coming in. So 1 through 16 those games are going to be according to what we decide on what I decide on Saturday night and then we put it into our iPad which allows the host to sit there and when someone comes in with a Chargers jersey, they know where the Chargers game's on. They know where the Patriots game's on. They know where the Chiefs game's on. They know where, and they go and sit there and they don't have to worry, oh, is my game going to be on? No, we know your game's going to be on because it's already allocated to that. I was the one that always did that. It wasn't until this year where Ian, my hiring manager, I asked, I said, you know, is somebody willing to do the TVs because I'm not here on Sundays like I used to be. I used to be here every single Sunday to set up the TVs to interact with the fans. I'm not here. Can somebody set up the TVs? And he said I'd love to do it. And now he's been doing it, and he's doing a much better job than I am because I'm not here. You know, fans fans change. We have big groups that come in that might want to cheer for the Cowboys. All those things. And let you have to put that in the hands of the people that are sure. there with the customers. So. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, it does. Not, so, that, that's the only,
0: that, yeah, developing yeah, that's people the only, is a, a good point to get to, whether you're one unit as you are, uh, whether people are thinking of having more, you know, units, and there might be some listeners that are. You just hit a very key point that uh, that maybe you could expound on, and that's the finding of those key people promoting them from within perhaps, or did you go out in the community to find them, developing others that you can delegate to, and then how do you supervise and evaluate them? Because obviously, uh, without a good structure behind you, you're not going to be able to uh, grow your business.
2: That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, if if There's no way that we could expand our catering business if I didn't have a catering manager like Steven that was willing to be anywhere and everywhere I asked of him um, to do the quality of standards that we have, Um, you know, I I send him to VIP caterings, to charity caterings, and if I can't be there, which usually I am, but as we grow, I'm not going to be able to be at all of them, I have to trust that he's going to do the entire checklist, quality control checklist of who we are and how we operate in a way that's going to allow us to make a memorable moment, not just for the person that paid for the catering, but for the hundred people that came there and said, Oh my God, how did we not know about Cali comfort barbecue?
0: There you go. Yeah. We have
2: to use, we have to use them at our next event. We have to use them at our wedding. We have to use them at our company retreat.
0: So you've got uh, management support, you've got catering managers, uh, and then how do you work with the actual product line? Uh, do you, uh, over the time period that you've been open, do you do, calculated scheduled menu reviews, evaluations, seasonality or how do you approach menu?
2: Yeah, quarterly. So literally we've we've gone from every single menu we put out, which is typically I say quarterly, but it's probably more like twice a year. It's less. We found out that simplicity is gold. And the less we have, the easier we make our operations, the easier the quality is and unfortunately there's There's bystanders when you when you choose to do less, when you choose to, you know, streamline your process so that you can we need to get as much barbecue out of the restaurant as possible. If I have two old hickory pits right now that are smoking meat, they have we have ribs we smoke for six hours. We have brisket that smoked overnight. We have pork butts that smoked overnight. If there's space in that smoker, then I'm not doing my job. I don't care how the, how that barbecue goes out of the restaurant, whether it's sold to somebody that comes in, whether it's sold through DoorDash, whether it's sold through catering. But if those pits are running, they need to be full.
0: We're getting Once hungry.
2: those pits are full, <laughs> once those pits are full, then it's my job to add another pit or to add whatever I need to add, right?
0: So in addition to the main barbecue line, I mean, are there other products, other, say, beef, turkey, other things that you run through the pits too?
2: Uh, so we do, we have... Uh, Rib tips, pork ribs, uh brisket, pork, and chicken. Chicken, good. And tri tip, excuse me, mm-hmm. and tri and tri tip.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I see what you're saying. That's a good point. Simplicity. Um I think <clears throat> I just kinda wanna underline that we've heard that from others too, that say that you that variety to the consumer no longer means an awful lot of items. Uh, You can get a lot of variety by still having fewer items, but doing, you know, different main products within that fewer menu list. And that sounds like what the thought that you're prescribing.
2: Yeah, and you can't be everything Mm -hmm. to everyone. And I think one one of the most important things that we learned early on is that we're not in competition with anyone. We actually promote other barbecue restaurants that are less than a mile away from us. We invite other barbecue operators. We partner with them. come and put on uh, the Spring Valley Tailgate and Barbecue Festival and it's about growing the brand of barbecue of craft barbecue of of, you know partnering together I'm sure you guys have heard about the San Diego craft beer and what, what they were able to do with Ballast Point and Stone Brewing all what happened was all these craft brewers they got together instead of being in competition like Pepsi and Coke they started collaborating with one another and started realizing that if we share industry industry thoughts and industry the same way you do at RestaurantOwner.com, mm-hmm. we're we're all we're all stronger together. When you filter down that information and you give us industry-related articles, you give us forms, you give us checklists, you give us vendors that we sh- that we could use to help run our business. We're, be- we're, we're better when we ask for help when we seek when we seek help and mm-hmm. we actually take that help.
1: Great, and, and I really you know I'm really enjoying that philosophy, which I'm seeing more and more with uh, the modern operators, the, the rising tide lifts all ships mentality. It's, it's it's a great thing. and I think it works. You know, Sean, you, you've you embraced technology. You em- embrace the consumer's need, all of our needs for and wants for a convenience. Um, you know, one of the topics that always comes up in these um, podcasts is, is third-party delivery. It's such a hot topic right now. And you know depending on who you talk to um everybody accepts this is the way of the future and they have to go along with it although we all understand what the challenges are in terms of the you know it chips into our margins we don't necessarily have control of the product once it leaves our door but um i'm hearing something a little bit different from you because you, you not only accept it as a future but i'm getting the sense you embrace it and maybe you can tell us something how you're making it work for you I'm not reading too much into what you're saying.
2: No, you're uh, you're 100% correct, and I I think the problem that obviously we all look at is it's the elephant in the room, and that's 25% going straight to the delivery, and that's you know an average 25% doesn't work, it doesn't pencil, the math doesn't work. Right. But that's not that that's not why delivery is important. Delivery is important because now you're an e-commerce business. Now you're literally generating a sale. Digitally, that's coming to you that you didn't get cash Someone didn't come and give your server cash or your hostess cash and then your manager Reconciles that cash at night and then drives to the bank to go I mean that it's such an archaic process now that we have Amazon Prime now that we have all the convenient, now that we have Uber now that we have all these things that we have Apple pay What what people need to realize is that by doing delivery it's less about doing delivery than it's about understanding how does that work? So how does delivery work? And if I have to pay the 25%, just consider it paying 25% in the education of understanding oh, how can I implement it? Because, you know, yes, I'm a French restaurant and we only do this thing, but I'm in a community where there aren't many delivery options. Can I do something different with my existing staff and my press and all the things that I have so that it's not jeopardizing the people? Because I understand. I mean, there's a reason why we are exclusive with DoorDash right now. We don't have Uber Eats because we want to slowly roll out delivery so that it works for us because it doesn't do us any good if somebody, a first time customer goes to DoorDash and they say, oh, I've heard about Cali Comfort. I heard them on the, on the news. I saw them on radio. They do a podcast. I follow them on Instagram. I've been waiting for these ribs forever. And then all of a sudden the ribs come and they're dry because they took too long. Like that, that's, that defeats the whole purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So we have exactly. to work our <laughs> way through those challenges. What's but your th- by accepting delivery, by, by accepting delivery, we're accepting the fact that we're an e-commerce company, and that's the biggest thing that restaurant owners need to understand: is that their mm-hmm. website needs to generate sales for them. Mm-hmm. Like until you start thinking about your website, and and that's the crazy thing is that we live in a world where all restaurant owners know they need to be on Instagram. They know that if they can't do it, they need to have someone do it—the chef do it—that someone from their someone within the, their their. Walls comes into the restaurant, they're going to post it on Yelp or they're going to post it on Google Mm. or they're going to post it on TripAdvisor. They all know that these things are happening. So if you do and if you do know that and then you say, "Okay, well, we're going to start posting on Instagram. Maybe you post three times a week. Maybe you post once a day. When was the last time you posted on your website? You own your website. Instagram might change. Facebook might change. YouTube might change. Like it's the act of doing it that makes you as empowered as I feel right now because I know that the more that I do it the more that I can understand the opportunities not just for me as a restaurant operator, but for all the other restaurant operators and small business owners because so, small business owners have the greatest ability to pivot. I don't have I don't have to ask for permission for anybody. I don't have to go to a regional manager, I don't have to go to you know a board of directors. I just go. I say we're turning into a media company and we turn into a media company.
0: It's a very good point. So it sounds like going to the, that third party then, it sounds like uh, it's more of, of looking at it more as a marketing tool, a way of getting your brand in front of a sale that you probably wouldn't have had, rather than looking at it as uh, a standalone profit center since it is 25%
2: <coughs> cost. Am
0: it's, I understanding right?
2: Correct. 100%. It's not a pro- I, I don't even look at it as a profit center. I look at it as an opportunity to understand delivery i look at it as an opportunity for to understand how do i integrate it into my website my mobile first site so that it's easy to order for somebody that hey like me we just my wife and i we just moved to east lake which is a community in san diego and we have two small children my daughter's seven months old my son's two and a half it's hard to get out and we love going to restaurants but it's hard and sometimes it's hey i'm going to order doordash mm-hmm. what's available exactly It's I all about convenience this is, this is what's available correct
1: does the third-party delivery? Um, do you do anything with the third-party delivery to encourage that um, that guest to uh, come and visit you uh, and dine in? Is is there something that you do in in terms of what they receive that would give them some incentive? Hey, listen, you know, I, I love eating this in front of the the television, watching Netflix, but I think I want to come out and 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 dine in uh, their restaurant. That's a
2: great. That's a great. A great point and something that we've actually talked about in our development meetings and that's offering something as you know a bounce back or something um of that nature where somebody what what we do is we make sure that the packaging and the quality of that DoorDash experience is better than any other DoorDash experience which is the same thing we do at a catering which is the same thing we do when someone comes in is if we make it every single meal is that's our super bowl meal that we have to we're preparing the greatest meal ever, the last meal, the last supper, then it'll speak for itself. If not, then there's, we're going to have much bigger problems.
0: But yeah,
2: to your point that, yes, to your point, there's a lot of creative opportunities to get a DoorDash customer through the doors.
0: And, and see, and that makes great sense since you look at this as a marketing tool, then to see it all the way through to try to get that guest to their next step gets you the, you know, gets you to the return on investment from a marketing standpoint. Um, what other challenges uh, keep uh, keep you up at night or on your mind that you think are facing you and other independent restaurant operators?
2: I mean, isn't the, li- the, the list is infinitum? I mean, it. it, 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 it <laughs> well, don't scare it, everybody. It, way,
0: it, but you can it, pick a couple.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean, we we're, we're operating in the state of California. Our minimum wage continues to go up. It's challenging to. You know, figure out how do we run our restaurant and staff it adequately so that we can provide five-star customer service create memorable moments how do we keep our insurance costs down how do we you know build an infrastructure but the more that I surround myself with the people that I admire and I do that through podcasts I do that through books um, I have some in-person mentors but the more that I do that the less noise there is if that makes sense because there's so much noise out there mm-hmm. and all I can do is what I can control I can only control, you know, our brand, where our brand is going, what our brand plans to do. Um, you know, we have a media division now, so we're gonna actually have two clients that I've signed this week that are actually gonna be our media clients, which, as far as I know, no restaurant has any media clients, so I'm telling my restaurant solutions to build in a revenue line item for us because that doesn't exist for us now, but that's gonna be income on a monthly basis that we've never received, and I'm guessing no other restaurant has done that, Not not that I know of Um, if I if I do hear of them I'd love to talk to the operator because it sounds like they have my blood type um, yeah I mean that that, back to what you said I I can only do the things that I can control and if I worry about all the stuff that I mean there's there's people much smarter than me much more qualified to fight those battles um, on the state level on the national level Um, what I can do is do the best I can today
0: that's a there's a real good nugget there that i hope everyone is making note of there that, that, that that's so true that it's it is very important for us to be aware of the challenges that faces and you name some very big ones whether it's labor issues whether it's governmental intervention and other things uh but there's a big difference between being aware though and directing your attention uh it sounds like you're directing your attention and that of your staff to what we can control every guest, every call, every event, every time the door opens. And and that's a wonderful plan of attack.
2: Thank you. We've learned a lot in 11 years and we plan on learning every single day from here on out.
1: Always learning, I love to hear that. Sean, when we wrap up uh, these interviews with something we call our Fave Five, it uh, gives our listeners an opportunity to you know get a little more insight into our guests on a more personal level. And so we have a few questions. Um, You know what what's your go-to food to eat uh what's what's your comfort food what when your family and you you know just want to have something that really makes you feel good um what do you eat maybe maybe it's barbecue you love barbecue but is there something uh else that you uh you and your family enjoy
2: uh there's a japanese restaurant called ichiban that i grew up my my grandmother she's not my blood grandmother but she um she's grandmother in every sense of the word other than that Mm -hmm. um she was japanese my grandfather was bulgarian but we would always go to this it's not a high end sushi bar it's, it's just, it it would be a Cali comfort equivalent of a of a sushi restaurant but that has japanese food um, they have udon noodles and chicken teriyaki fried gyoza no i'm really uh, hungry things, things like that yeah, yeah sushi
0: is a go to yeah. good for you how about how about a favorite yeah. place you like to go maybe a best trip or a place that you you like to go to when you have the time
2: Best trip would definitely be to uh, Hawaii because it makes my wife the happiest. She's the happiest when she's in Maui or Hawaii. Yeah, well, we have the beach here in San Diego, and we love the beach. It's I guess it's something about being um, on the island and uh, exploring, and you know, I guess farther away from San Diego, farther away from the epicenter.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's ma- it's magical uh, for sure. I can understand that. Um, do you have a favorite restaurant? Uh, you know, in, in Southern California, I, I'm from California originally, and, you know, the whole state's got some really great restaurants. Um, is there a place uh, besides your, your own, of course, that um, you really, that really stands out for you?
2: Well, my, my favorite personal restaurant is, is Luznitsa, which is in Bulgaria. Um, in Vrasa, where my wife is from, and that's where I proposed to her. Oh so, wow. it's a oh, binge, good it's, memory. It's a binge, thank you. Yeah, I have to remember that one. <laughs> so
1: what, what kind of what kind of restaurant uh, is that? Tell me about it.
2: It's a it's a it's a Bulgarian restaurant. So Bulgarian food is Mediterranean. Um, lots of vegetables, cucumbers, tomatoes, feta cheese. Um they're, they do a lot of pork, um, but it's. Yeah, it's in a vineyard. It's just outside of the city, and it's uh, just this incredible restaurant we always go to at least multiple times when we uh, go out to visit her family um, who live out there. We go there once a year. So,
0: well, good for you. That sounds wonderful. How about how about a favorite person, uh, maybe a, a key influencer or a mentor that means a lot to you?
2: Um, I would say Gary Vaynerchuk and David Meltzer. Mm-hmm. Um, David Meltzer locally, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, never met him. He's responded to multiple different platform exchanges I've had with him, emails I've had with him, Um, but the content that he puts out on his podcast, the content he puts out on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok, you name it, he's everywhere. Um, He's teaching people, businesses, brands, how to become media companies, and he's doing it by doing it and talking about it, sharing all the secrets for free, but David Meltzer locally. Um, he's been teaching me how to ask for help, which yeah. is something that's very, you would think that that would be easy to do given all the things that restaurant owners have to do on a daily basis. But I guess once I do think about it, I guess I'm asking for help is it, it, it is hard to do. It's hard to do.
1: Yeah. Gary V. what a phenomenon. And, uh, you know, I follow him and, and a lot of the stuff he posts even on LinkedIn, uh, I just find very inspirational and uplifting and, and, uh, uh, provide just great moral guidance in business, so I, I'm I'm with you on that. Um, you're I, I know you're a student, you're a reader. Um, is there a favorite book or even a passage in in some book or literature or whatever you you enjoy reading and studying that is particularly meaningful um, to you? That may be something you like to live by.
2: My go-to book is always The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho, and mm-hmm. that's uh, you know about the shepherd Andalusian boy that going on this path, um, where he ends up meeting a king and fighting the desert. but it, It's about the universe, But putting putting your intentions into the universe and paying attention to what's going on. And back to David Meltzer, who's been teaching me as a mentor from afar. Um, just recently this week, I, I started doing Sunrise Gratitude.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I've made it a point, a daily habit for this year. I mean, every New Year's resolution, we all make lists of what we're going to do better and how we're going to improve. Um, one of the things that David talks about is creating a daily habit and making sure that even if it's one minute a day, that it happens every day. And then that's that exponential growth. And just for the last five days, I've made sure that I've been up at four in the morning. I've taken an hour to read and then an hour to, I call it exercise because I'm moving, but it's more of getting outside and being there when the sun rises. Wow. And sunrise gratitude has been um, been. It's only five days in, but I plan on doing it for the rest of my life. So Correct. hopefully, uh, whenever you and I, whenever you and I need, you can ask about my sunrise gratitude for that day, and I'll, uh, I'll have an answer for you. I,
1: I love that. That's beautiful, and and uh, you know, may you do that every day and and uh, find inspiration and meaning from it every time you do it.
0: I hope that day comes soon when we can meet and sit at Cali Comfort, enjoy some good barbecue,
2: open, watch some sports. It's an open. Open invite, and you're you'll both be guests on Digital Hospitality, our podcast. So
1: I I would love it, and uh, let's we'll try to do that sooner than later. I think that would be a great experience. Hey, hey, Sean, Chris, Chris,
2: Chris, Chris gave me some background of how Restaurant Startup uh, and Magazine was was birthed as an idea and as a brand, and everything that you guys are doing, and that story needs to be told. So I I hope I can be one of the storytellers too. to to give back to what you guys have done for all the restaurant operators because so many of us read the articles so many of us download the checklist we go on restaurant owner and you don't not everybody responds and tells you thank you and um on behalf of all those restaurant owners i I want to tell you tell both of you gentlemen and everyone at a restaurant owner thank you
0: well Well, that's nice thank you it's much appreciated and listen thank you for your time today Uh, We really appreciate your story, your openness, uh, the examples that you've given. Uh, There's a lot of interesting nuggets that I know our listeners are going to be able to take and make their operation or make their idea uh, come to fruition a little bit easier. So thanks again, Sean.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us today on The Corner Booth. Until next time, it's Chris Triple-A and Barry Schuster saying thanks so much. Hope to see you again soon right here in The Corner Booth. Till then, go make it a good shift.